the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by Border Hawk News on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on our show today on this beautiful September 4th, 2021. Um, let me remind everyone that the program is pre-recorded, so uh, uh, calling in doesn't do you any good. At any rate, let me tell you who our guests are, because we've got some great ones. First of all, we've got uh, Attorney General of, of Texas, Ken Paxton. He's going to be chatting a little bit about uh, the... Uh, all of the uh, laws that were passed and the meltdown that the Democrats and the progressives are having with it. We also have Sergio Sanchez, a good friend of mine, who is the uh, talk show, who is a talk show host down in the Rio Grande Valley. He's going to be giving us a first-hand look at what uh, what is happening there in the valley with the border crisis. Then we've got Texas State Representative Kyle Biederman, and uh, he's going to be chatting with us about uh, the uh, runaway Democrats in the Texas State Texas State House, and what is so terrible about the. Um, uh, the law, the voter, the election integrity law that was just passed by the by uh, the state uh, of Texas. Finally, we've got my very, very good friend, Mr. Ken Ward, who is a freelance reporter. He's going to be chatting about his latest uh, article and what he is seeing as far as the um, border crisis goes. So, folks, thank you very much for joining us today. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Welcome to the show. Call your friends. Tell them to join us. We're, let, let's go to our first guest. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio in San Antonio. And we've got uh, a very special guest, the Attorney General of Texas, Mr. Ken Paxton. And I wanted to reach out to him because, my friends, uh, this past week we are seeing an absolute meltdown of uh, Democrats, of liberals, of progressives, whatever you want to call them. Uh, of folks over two things over first of all the vote the election integrity law and now the uh, term limits law for for on abortions and uh, my understanding is that these laws don't restrict anything other than uh, they do what uh, the voters who elected the, uh, the who properly elected representatives and voted uh, on this law uh, the state of Texas uh, can uh, do laws according to the state's uh, Will, uh, can, uh, Attorney General, thank you very much for, for, for taking time. Please talk to us. Tell us what is so bad, first of all, about the election integrity law uh, that uh, has people so upset. Well, what's so bad is that uh, the Democrats didn't get their way. The elected, represent, <laughs> the elected representative of the state passed the election integrity law. It actually allows for more time to vote. So it, it actually creates more time to vote. We already have almost two weeks of early voting. They've added they've extended hours. And all they, all they did on the restriction side is they wanted to make sure that people were voting legally. So they required some photo ID for mail-in ballots, which is a real problem with mail-in ballots is, is identifying the right people and making sure that people are not voting who are not supposed to be voting. And they tightened up some of the things that uh, these unelected officials or these elected officials were doing in other counties who weren't following the law. So, you know, I, it's, it's hard to fault them. They did what they thought was right. They tried to pass a, a, a bill that would make sure that people could trust their elections. Now, uh, I know that, uh, you know, they're, they, they are the, the, the progressives, the liberals, the leftists are having an absolute uh, uh, field day claiming that uh, this is a discriminatory law. In fact, they call it a voter restriction law. On the other hand, they uh, are also having an absolute meltdown over the new law uh, on term limits, uh, on, on limits of the uh, on the abortion. Uh, again, 
we hear Biden screaming and yelling that he's going to use the gov- federal government to uh, do everything to can to protect uh, women's rights, as he puts it. But I don't see him lifting a finger to protect us on the, on the border. <laughs> no, so which is odd because he has an obligation under federal law to, to to protect us on the border, and he looks at those laws and says, "I don't have to follow those. I'm I'm the king over here. I'm not going to do it." Which is why we've sued him, you know, so many times over immigration in the last seven or eight months. And on the other hand, when the elected representatives do pass something that he doesn't like and he can't stop it, he starts trying to figure out ways he can undermine representative government in our state. So he's already undermining representative government at the national level by ignoring federal law and allowing criminals to stay in the in the country that are illegal. He, he's doing it on purpose by by not following the law and stay in Mexico. And fortunately, we're having some success in in enforcing him to follow the law and that's if, if we were not having success the entire country would break down because we wouldn't have a constitutional government anymore and that's what they want they want a form of government where they run everything and tell us what to do yeah I, I, it really it really seems that way the uh the uh they don't seem to want to play by rules uh they really really you know uh argue points uh, that uh, you know are constitutional, but they uh, they don't argue them uh, according to the Constitution. They want to go outside the Constitution. They want to go into the streets, practically. No, there's no doubt. They they want us to follow the rules that they put in place, or that are put in place just for us. But they don't apply to them. And then when when the legislature of our state puts in rules to protect the unborn, then suddenly that's uh that's that you can't do that. We're going to stop you from the federal level. From protecting your unborn children. That's just not the way it's supposed to work. Sorry, Joe Biden. My understanding is that the state of Texas can pass uh, laws according to what the state uh, uh, voters wanted. And uh, if you want unrestricted uh, abortions, you could always go to another state and and the state of Texas will not stop you. (laughs) That's absolutely right. And that's the way it's supposed to work. Each state is supposed to have control over its own laws. And when the federal government through the Supreme Court stepped in and took over that from the states who had, who had regulated abortion for the entire history of the country, and the Supreme Court came in and found a new constitutional right and then started regulating that pretty much from the Supreme Court level. And it, as you can see, it didn't work out too well because the, the Supreme Court can't decide really what the standards are. They keep changing it. We have to constantly go to the Supreme Court to get answers because they're the arbiter that tells us what the law is on this because it's, it wasn't written down. It's no, There's no precedent for it. It was just made up. As long as well as this constitutional right to an abortion, so um, it's unfortunate, and that's one of the reasons we're pushing to undo Roe v. Wade because it doesn't make any sense. It wasn't done the right way. They need to let the states make these decisions. That's where it belongs. This is, you know, it's also fascinating the way that uh, they are also reacting to the issue of uh, of masks. Uh, you know, the uh, 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 they want masks. Uh, to protect, supposedly, to protect the people, but they don't want the state uh, and the citizens of the state to want uh, to do it. So whether it's a sanctuary community or or or, or a, uh, a mask mandate, uh, it, it seems like they just don't respect what the local community wants. Well, that's again uh, absolutely true. So here we have the legislature passes the law relating to disasters. The governor issues executive orders saying government can't force you to wear masks and. The Supreme Court has even ruled saying that's that's the law for now, and yet some of these local districts say uh, we're kind of like Joe Biden. We don't have to follow laws. That's all set up for you guys <laughs> because we don't we don't like what the governor did. We don't like what the legislature did. We don't like what the Supreme Court did. We're just not following those rules. We or those laws. We get to make up our own laws. And the problem with that is it's, it, it breaks down our whole form of constitutional government. And that's that's where that's where the Biden administration is taking it. And that's where these local officials who look at the law and say, I have disdain for that law. and Therefore, I don't follow it. Wow. What other issues do you see that uh, you're going to have to be getting into a fight with with this administration in the next uh, well, few months? <laughs> we're we, you know, they tried to take away our Medicaid money. It was, it was about uh, it's it's a billions like 30 billion i think a year it's a massive number they tried to just strip it away and violate all the agreements we had with the uh, federal government we we sued them over that and so far we've we've had a good ruling we had a positive ruling saying that they violated federal law in doing that um, we sued them over the keystone pipeline um so we we've got we were involved in a, a suit over the cruise lines and shedding on the cruise lines. so it's it's um i think we're going to be in a lot of uh, fights with them because they, if they can't pass it through Congress, 
they'll just dictate it to the administration. And if they don't want to follow laws, they just don't follow them. Uh, you know, that, that's, that is absolutely outrageous that a, a, a government, that a federal government won't follow its own laws. Uh, you know, it, well, it, it, just... it, George, it, doesn't, it makes us no different than, you know, Venezuela or, you no, know, exactly. countries that, that don't have a constitution. If, if, if the constitution is not followed by those who are elected um, and they can get away with not following it, uh, then we don't have a constitutional form of government. The people no longer have their voice. And that's, you know, that's, I know that some people in America may think that that's a better way to go. And, uh, but that's not, that's not, that's not how our country was founded. That's not how the constitution set up. They're going to, if they want to change it to more of a dictatorship, they need to amend the constitution and get rid of representative form of government. They really do. I mean, and I would anticipate that we're going to have another fight on our hands regarding the redistricting. I would guess. Uh, you, you don't even have to guess. It's going to happen every time we, pass a map they the, the elected representatives again have put in place the democrats file a lawsuit and say we want judges to fix what your elected representatives did because we don't like how it was drawn and that's fundamentally what they they say and they you know use all kinds of words to call the names you know suppression discrimination whatever it is but the reality is it's just you know they want they want control and so the elected the people of the state haven't elected enough of their views and so they decide, well, we can't get our stuff done through the constitutional process. We'll just get a judge to fix it for us. <laughs> really? Really? Run, we'll run to mommy or daddy and have him fix it. <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, Attorney General, thank you very, very much for, uh, for t- spending some time with us. Anything else that you'd like to add before we let you go? Well, you know, it's an important time for people to be paying attention and to, to understand that Texas has to have strong representation, strong state leaders. Because if we don't have people um, fighting uh, from from Texas, and we end up electing people here that are, that don't have that courage and that ability, we, we're going to lose the country. So it's really important that people in Texas realize their their opportunity and their their responsibility to to really sort of take care of the whole country. That's right. That's right. I mean, we we've got to find, we've got to have uh, politicians that are going, that that have backbone. And I really, really t- thank you for fighting for my rights. That's for sure. Glad to do it. I feel like it's a privilege and an opportunity that you know who would have ever thought we'd have in Texas, and we have it. You got it. Thank you very much for spending some time, folks. We've been chatting with uh, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. You be good, Attorney General. You be you be good and be safe. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate it, George. Got it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you. And uh, we've got uh, our good friend, Mr. Sergio Sanchez, who is with the with uh, KURV uh, AM down in uh, the Valley in Edinburgh, to be exact. And I wanted to reach out to Sergio because not only is he a conservative Hispanic that's in the media, but he is also a resident right there, a witness frontline witness of what is happening with the border crisis. Uh, we hear a lot of talking heads on TV. We uh, hear a lot of folks, uh, a lot of experts, uh, usually talking about um, the issue, speaking from Washington, D.C. or from elsewhere. But here we've got somebody who's right there on the front lines. And uh, Sergio, thank you for taking time to be with us. Uh, My brother, what, it's an honor. What is your perspective? I mean, what are what do you see as a resident... And uh, as uh, somebody who's in the media, what do you what do you see uh, regarding the border crisis right now? Well, I tell you what I see, George, is a lot of frustration. We, I'd say we, well, the station KURV, we participated with a local civic group. It's um, Futuro RGV. They they talk to local leaders and folks that are in business. 
and they have these forums. So we hosted one, put it on the radio, and it was a conversation with a lot of the folks who are impotent to do anything but are having to address the issue, like the county judge, the local mayor, the sheriff, uh, the police chief, even uh, the very famous Sister Norma Pimentel from Cafeteria. She was sitting on on that panel, but it, it was open. Yeah, it was open for folks to attend, and the folks who did attend of the group, uh, 50, 60 folks who were there, you know, overwhelming, just frustration, uh, just disgust. Uh, but they were, I mean, the folks who were in the crowd were literally at times, there's, they were somewhere yelling and just ex- ex- expressing frustration. The folks who can't do anything, <clears throat> they're the ones that, like the local folks, are the ones that are having to pick up the mess that the federal government has created because this is a Washington initiated mess. I, I tell you one thing that uh, folks did uh, close to where I live in North McAllen, um, they had an overflow facility for Catholic charities in downtown. See, downtown McAllen is where Border Patrol, after they process illegal immigrants, so these illegal aliens, they give, them, they give them a piece of paper to go report to immigration court in the future that probably they're not, they're not going to go to to do an initial hearing on their asylum request. Um, they they get released to downtown McAllen, a facility that Catholic Charities leases from the city of McAllen to provide shoes and sometimes they buy a shower and some food, some soup uh, from the Salvation Army to just kind of process these folks that, who crossed illegally were processed by Border Patrol and by the hundreds and literally daily thousands of people uh, are released in, in, into the air to go to the bus station, go north. Oh, and they also get tested at Catholic Charity for COVID. The COVID people are kept for a while. The COVID people, about, about a month ago, they had they didn't have any space in downtown McAllen. So the city, at some property that they owned in North McAllen, they put some tents and put uh, some black tarp around a fence so nobody could see inside. And they would bus people north. They were COVID positive, just hold them there for a while so that they wouldn't linger and wander around downtown and go to businesses and, and go to stores and stuff. Like they found a place to try to hold them uh, safely, hold them for a few days, five, six days before they get get on a bus and get out of here. Because they don't stay here. They don't want to stay here. They want to go al norte. They want to go somewhere uh, where they have family up there. Well, that didn't last very, very long. I, I went to Facebook and I posted on Facebook saying, hey, look at here. They got. They got an overall facility, uh, illegal aliens, uh, COVID positive. I took to Facebook, and a lot of people protested. Within 48 hours, they closed that one in North McAllen. And the the city punted to the county. One of the local county commissioners said, hey, we got some room near the river at Anson Dewis Park, nearby where they're from, where they're crossing. And we got like 15 acres. We'll set up an improvised facility down there with tents and all that. So right now they're holding about a thousand people. Last night, about a thousand people that are COVID positive. My they're staging goodness. them, holding them near the river at Anson Lewis Park. That that's that's one facility uh, that in like three miles away at Anson Lewis Bridge, the International Bridge, which is like two miles long, one mile on each side. Uh, at Anson Lewis Bridge, Border Patrol has a staging area, the initial staging area, where they bring all these human beings to. A family unit to dro- be dropped off, go to the restroom, and be- try to do all the all the paperwork on them. Try to figure out who they are, get registered, all that, and then uh, eventually they get released to Catholic Charities. Catholic Charities that they need to hold them, we'll send them back to county to the end of those park. It's it's a machine. It's it's a daily machine. Now, what a what a mess. You, no, no, yeah, let, it is. Let, let me ask you. Let me ask you because you again, as a resident and as a native. As someone who has grown up, born and raised in, in in the area, has it ever been this bad? No, not not at all. Um, this is by just the numbers; it's the worst ever. Uh, the experience for Border Patrol and for local government local government events, the city and the county, having to respond to this absolutely it's it's the worst ever. It's um, this is um, irresponsible, beyond irresponsible behavior by this president uh, and uh, his minions that are, are flouting law. They're ignoring federal border law. And, and by the way, we're just a few days removed from uh, the high court decision that said that the whole Remain in Mexico program under right. President Trump I was needed to come back. 
Yeah, there's uh, doesn't seem to be any you know priority to get that up and running again. Um, there's uh, I got local border patrol friends saying they see no evidence whatsoever of anything being set up again. They're saying the illegal aliens who put a foot on U.S. soil and claimed amnesty wanted amnesty and wanted a piece of paper that there's no evidence that they're going to be sent back to Mexico anytime soon. So so much for the good faith effort that the high court insisted that uh, Joe Biden exercise and give it this. He's just dragging his feet. We have Ted Cruz and uh, Congressman Chip Roy. They, they did a tour yesterday, Laredo, R- Roma. They were in Edinburgh yesterday, uh, pointing to that saying, Joe Biden's not, he's not making an effort whatsoever. He's just dragging his feet on this issue. And it's buried in the news, too, Georgie. Yeah, well, it ain't in the news. It's not national news. Everybody's distracted with, with another cluster that he created, the, the Afghanistan thing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. It, it is. It is just. You know. It, it's. It's just amazing how this uh, is. It's one episode after another, one disaster, and um, you know the the uh, the media sometimes. You know they just move from one to the other and forget the other one without trying to figure out. You know, are they going to resolve that one? Uh, let me ask you again. Let me ask you this other issue about um, because you know the the mask issue has become a big big deal. Here in Texas, with the uh, with the governor wanting everybody to uh, you know, I mean, uh, uh, saying yeah. that the mask mandates are not are illegal, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what uh, what are they doing uh, to address this issue of uh, COVID positive people, other than segregating them and holding them for a little while? That's the best they can do, Georgie. It's just separate them from the general population. That's the best they can do, and and COVID positive individuals uh, they're being sent to local hospitals and clinics it's it's a very small number thankfully i mean we're thanking heaven it's a very small number that we've seen so far and and we know this because we see the numbers from county uh the, the county numbers have less than enough, anywhere between uh, of, the, of the daily numbers the county's reporting of covid positive and hospitalizations it is I want to say just the ballpark figure because the number of it vacillates back and forth, but I want to say it's five percent or less, and I'm I'm thankful for that. It's about five percent or less uh, that are winding up at clinics or testing positive that have no local address. That, the fact they have no local address means those are illegal aliens. Wow! wow. And, and then uh, of the hospital population, usually uh, of the folks that are in the hospital, it's anywhere between one, three, five percent, five percent being high watermark that are being attended to because the COVID situation is unmanageable, right? Yeah. Uh, but just to keep them away from the general population is the best policy that local county health and the local Democrat judges and all these people are are, are hoping to apply. And, and I would say, to their credit, successfully applying to try to keep the COVID pixie dust away from the general population. The whole idea is to try to hold them and direct them toward the bus station, wherever they need to go eventually, so that they go wherever it is that Somewhere they want else. to go. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's, see, that's been the argument this whole time. It's like, oh, they don't stay here. Uh, it's not a problem. They don't stay here. It's not our problem. It's okay. They're going to Houston. They're going to San Antonio. They're going to Dallas. They're going to New York. Okay. But see, now the numbers are so big. It's such a huge crowd. That, oh my lord! It's like, what are we gonna do? It's like, okay, we got we got hold them for a while because they're COVID positive. So let's do this big park, uh, a temporary facility, <laughs> and so this park, hold them five, six, seven days, and, and okay, now they're clear to go up there. They test negative. Wow. Bye. Have a nice day. Bye. <laughs> let me let me ask you this last one question because we got to close up. But what is is there any impact or worry from the Democrats uh, in the local areas in the local positions? Uh, regarding this whole disaster, uh, do you see them worried about it? Because, I mean, obviously you, things were not as bad under Trump, but now they've, you know, uh, they've got to take a little bit of responsibility since it's their party. True? Understood. No, understood. You know, politically speaking, I think your question is a political question. Are they, do they fear any political repercussions Correct. Correct. from the mess? My quick answer, Georgia, and being a realist and former Republican chair down here, and they're still building the party, and credit, kudos to Miss Adrian and all the young Republicans and the precinct chairs, they're working, they got an HQ, they're still fighting, they're still growing the party, but unless we get more courageous people like Monica de la Cruz Hernandez, who's running for Congress 15, and I hope that con- congressional lines hold, because up in San Antonio, where you're at, a sliver of your district has, is Vicente 
gente with a liberal gente yeah. uh, up there. <laughs> Monica, Monica has him by the short hairs. She's real close, and she cannot seat him in November of next year. If she clears the primary, she has a machine behind her. She almost got him during the presidential race, and that yes, was a I remember. miracle. She almost got him. And uh, outside of that race, amigo, uh, unless we get more courageous business people and patriots and conservatives to run against the county, uh, the county precinct uh, directors, uh, the the folks in the precincts, uh, unless they run for city hall, uh, we just need candidates down here, and that's the only day that they will fear. Uh, some type of negative repercussion for for their action, uh, but they're still we're still building the competition down here. So the quick answer is no, because they're going to keep their seats at city hall and at county, no matter what, at, at state representative, no matter what, wow. until the day the party's big enough to provide some competition and put some more butts on the ballot, kind of like Monica de la Cruz Hernandez. Uh, they have nothing to fear in the interim. Wow. But we're, I'm hoping and praying that the day comes, and they're working hard to, to build that competition over at the Hidalgo County Republican HQ. You got it, it, buddy. Only a few days old, yeah. Thank you very, very much for taking some time with us. We've been speaking with our good friend, Sergio Sanchez from uh, KURV uh, down in Edinburgh, down in the Rio Grande Valley. Sergio, thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us. Thank you, my brother. Keep the faith. Keep working. We'll see you soon. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from the heart of South Texas in San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM radio. The answer here in San Antonio, and we've got our good friend, Representative Kyle Biederman from the 73rd House District in the state of Texas. And uh, we wanted to get him on because the uh, Texas Voter Integrity Bill that has caused a lot of publicity and a lot of consternation among the Democrats, including some of them running away to uh, to D.C., uh, I believe has finally passed, and we wanted to get his uh, thoughts on it, as well as uh, maybe he could give us an update on uh, on the Alamo, since he's been the front run, the the front uh, at the front forefront of the battle for uh, the history of the Alamo, uh, for maintaining the Alamo. Uh, Representative Biederman, thank you very much for taking time as usual to be with us. Tell us about this bill that uh, I guess has just passed. Well, thank you, George. I appreciate you having me on again. And, and um, you know, it's so good to be able to um, come on your show and let people know exactly what's going on, because I was just on the floor not five minutes ago, and the uh, election integrity, and again, that's the term, election integrity. We want to make voting easier. We want to make cheating harder. And so that's basically what the vote is. Well, that bill, we started at 10 o'clock yesterday morning. And we went till almost uh, 11.30 last night on that bill. And we just sat and sat and just listened to lie after lie after lie about what the bill does. And uh, the Republicans, I think if we spoke for 30 minutes, uh, maybe an hour out of those 13 hours, and we said exactly what the bill does do and what it doesn't do. Basically, it makes the elections more uniform. And you have to realize last election, that we had counties, especially Harris County, Houston, that followed their own rules and they didn't follow the laws of Texas for elections, and that included 24-hour voting. So they had polls open for 24 hours, and we all know that nothing good happens after <laughs> 2 o'clock in the morning. Right, so how do you man polls and how do you watch what's going on? And then again, the, another big problem they had was poll watchers they don't want poll watchers because they feel that the poll watchers are going to get too close to something and see what's going on so what they claim is that the poll watcher is going to intimidate people well you know poll watchers are so important that's what their job is they're trained they have to be um have have to fill out a form and an application they have to be approved by the election judges. I mean, there's a whole process and a training for poll watchers. And in fact, our bill makes the, the training even um, stronger. So to make sure these poll watchers know exactly what they can and can't do. And uh, But the, the Democrats don't want poll watchers. Let me, let an me, obvious reason for that. 
Yeah, let me interrupt you on that one because it's very curious. Um, one of the uh, uh, one of the the federal representatives, uh, U.S. congressman um, from uh, from Houston, was actually saying that um, that we should have UN poll watchers instead of uh, <laughs> instead of state poll watchers. I, I'm 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 fab, fab, I'm, I'm I'm just. Uh, it, it, just flabbergasted by that. <laughs> well, the, the point is, they know that poll watchers are necessary for you know to be able to have a transparent election. But what they don't want is poll watchers <laughs> because then you have transparency. So they've got to figure out a way to have poll watchers, but not let them be effective. Yeah. So you you criminalize them, or you make them out to be bad people and they'll come up with one incidence where a, a voter was intimidated well that's not um a reason not to have poll watchers which are so important but again it's just another one of the myths of the bill but we we sat through 13 hours and this morning we started at 11 o'clock we just finished and was it 1 30 so it was another two and a half hours of crying and whining. And in fact, one of the representatives at the end said um, that, um, that, that they prophesy that this is going to come back on us and it's going to, you know, this is going to be, you know, I, I can't say it as, as harshly as this Democrat said, but it was, uh, it was uncalled for on the House floor. Oh my gosh! Uh, the, the threat, the threat to the Republicans for passing the bill. <laughs> so this is, you know, this, you know, you go to D.C. for for a month and a half, and you learn all the D.C. garbage, and you bring it back here to Texas, and uh, it just shows that the Democrats in Texas are becoming more like the Democrats in Washington D.C., and that's why we have such a. Uh, that's why we can't get together and talk about things. The partisanship has grown so much because the Democrats in Texas have become more like the Democrats in D.C. Amazing, amazing. Yep. The, uh, so no, we, it has passed, and when will it take effect? Well, that'll take effect then in, I believe, well, you know, it's so crazy because we're in a special session. I don't have it on top of my head, but it's going to be, it'll take effect before the next elections. Good. So before we get to, um, uh, certainly before we get to the primaries. And another thing that we found out about primaries, we passed the bill yesterday. If we get our work done here quick enough for redistricting, the primaries will stay at the same time they've always been. Uh, March, the uh, March 1st will be the primaries. Uh, and you'll have to, um, you know, between uh, and, you know, sometime in late November, you'll have to then, um, you know, register whether you're going to run for a certain office. But if it gets delayed, the primary gets delayed, and there's two other, you know, times. So it either gets delayed to uh, April or it gets delayed to May. So it all depends on how quickly we get our redistricting bills completed. Uh, so that was something else you did last night. But I just have to say that, you know, Andy Murr, Representative Murr, did a great job, kept his cool. And, uh, again, we sat for 13 hours, another two hours, two and a half hours this morning, just getting, you know, the usual, um, you know, just the unfortunate things in politics oh, where yes. we just continually called racist. And, of course, the people of color are the ones that are getting you know, worst hit by this, and we're doing it on purpose. But then we had a Republican, J.M. Lozano, um, Hispanic from um, um, south of Corpus Christi, and uh, he came on and he came in favor of the bill, and he and he spoke that that's what made his family great that they were able to vote, and voting was so important to them, and there was never a hindrance that they ever felt about voting. And so those things are so important because you don't get to hear that, especially from the Hispanic community. But secondly, he said, Mexico has voter ID. They also have a chip to make sure who you are when you vote. And what he said is his family, when they lived in in Mexico, uh, you couldn't change elections because they were rigged so much because you didn't have voter ID. And so your vote didn't count. Once they instilled voter ID and this kind of chip and everything else, and, and they also have fingerprints, thumbprints. Once they instituted that, now the, the party in Mexico that won, as um, never won, began winning elections. That's so true. It was, uh, it was amazing, amazing that we had one person that, um, you know, uh, spoke in favor of the bill. We had at least 15 today. Democrats just whining and crying and saying all sorts of untruths about the bill. 
That's right. That's what happens here at the Capitol. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it passed. It oh. passed, and it's going to be good for Texas. <laughs> uh, can you give us a, a quick up brief, uh, uh, briefing on uh, and updating on what's been happening with, uh, with uh, the uh, monuments and uh, specifically anything that you might know about uh, reimagining the Alamo and, and what we're gonna ha- what's going to happen with the Alamo. Well, you know, nothing's happening with monuments right now. And again, because of the uh, critical race theory um, and other issues that the Democrats are losing on, uh, for the most part, they're the ones that are, are getting, you know, that are pushing all that. That's also going to be affecting the monuments. And so we haven't really been talking that much about monuments, uh, and but we need to, um, of course, but that's not on the call for special session. But uh, when it comes to the Alamo, um, just like the just like the monuments, as long as um, these activists and the ones that are trying to claim racism and white supremacy and all those things, it all ties together. The monuments and the Alamo, it all ties together. If they have a platform and they feel like they're they have they have a, a voice and they've got power and the media's behind them, then that's when we have so much trouble. But once they're starting to lose that battle or the people are standing up, especially these school board I mean the, in the school boards for parents, as parents people, regular people get involved, all of a sudden those issues start becoming less and less um, 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 you know, seen around the country and of course in Texas. And again, you know in the Alamo, you live in San Antonio, we haven't seen that much from the media of all that white supremacist stuff on the Alamo. It seems like uh, we're making some progress on doing a, a, a much better job at the plan and moving forward. Now, of course, there's always going to be some questions, uh, but it's uh, certainly much better than it's been for the last four or five years. Yes, I agree. I think, uh, yep. you know, I, I've got to say, uh, I've got to say, Representative, that thanks to your leadership and your efforts, we have uh, we have won uh, a lot of battles regarding uh, keeping Texas history pure and keeping the Alamo uh, at, at the front of uh, the fight of free, the history of the fight for freedom. I really have got to say that. Well, I thank you, and I want to say something about that because you don't have to, you know, get a bill passed. You don't have to change legislation. What you have to do is be consistent and persistent, and not give up, and keep the other side that's trying to really change things in a negative way. You got to keep them accountable, and then you have to expose them. So when people ask, "What can I do? What can I do?" they all think, "Oh, I've got to call a congressman or this or this, and we got to get legislation." Well. Government's the worst place. We need people to be involved. And the people, if they will get involved, then, and, and be persistent and go to the meetings and expose what's going on and make your voice heard, that's actually more powerful than people like me sometimes in the legislature. Because I can't get things passed here. But boy, we made huge, um, we were very successful because we didn't give up and we kept, kept fighting. And that's a good thing for everybody to do. Uh, I I couldn't agree with you more, Congressman, uh, Representative. Representative Kyle Biederman, thank you very much for taking time to be with us, and uh, and and to uh, share with us uh, this uh, situation, the the passage of the uh, election integrity bill in Austin, and uh, the fight for uh, well, the fight for 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 openness in in at the voting booth. Hey George, I got one more thing. Oh, uh, we're about to vote on increased uh, increased um, uh, funding for the border for the border security. Oh, you're kidding! Another one, another uh, actually, one, is it two point five billion or one point five? I gotta gotta go look at it. One point five billion dollars for the border. So we're going to add that funding. I'm going to ask questions about where it's going, about the effectiveness. But uh, you need to have me on um, soon because there's a there's a there's a lot going on. Uh, at the border right now, behind the scenes, man, actually, from 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 Texas, where we're going to be hiring this coordinator for the Texas border wall, and we should hear that in two weeks. Excellent. And uh, this this position is actually taking the place of the um, Army Corps of Engineers, so it'll be a company that will be doing the infrastructure, and um, and then we're right now we're just trying to fund 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 as much as possible, and we got the federal money coming in also. 
But uh, so we should be hearing a lot about at the border. I, I'm, I'm going to be making sure the money is going to be going uh, to be as effective as possible at the border. Uh, not just trying to arrest a few people. We need we need infrastructure on the border. Yes, and uh, the more and the more we fight against the federal government, the closer Texas will become to um, a Tenth Amendment state. Yep. You know, we've got to take our state back because we're being invaded. That's so right. um, that's exactly so things right. are happening. Let's try to get you on next week. I'll I'll contact you and we'll try to get you on next week. We'll talk about this border bill because that's going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot of interest in that one. You bet. You bet. Well, God bless you. Thank you, George. And you have a great day. And thanks for having me on. You got it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador on KLUP 930 AM radio. The answer. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. News. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from beautiful San Antonio. And uh, we've got our good friend, uh, Mr. Ken Ward, Kenrick Ward, uh, who is a um, uh, noted uh, freelance writer. And I wanted to reach out to him because uh, he's uh, been putting together some very interesting articles lately, and one of them is regarding this whole issue of the uh, COVID uh, non-vetting, or should we uh, say the non-checking of COVID uh, protections uh, of the uh, aliens that are crossing the, the, uh, the border. Uh, example, you, you know, we go to a uh, theater, we go to an event, we've got to wear a mask, Apparently, if you cross the border illegally, you don't have to. So, um, Ken, welcome to the show. Talk to us about your article and what you have found regarding this whole, uh, all of these protocols for COVID that that uh, Americans are supposed to follow, but apparently not uh, illegal aliens. Yes, uh, happy to do that, George. Uh, it is irony, uh, and it's rather absurd that uh, the Biden administration is failing abjectly at the border in terms of screening or testing or vaccinating uh, people coming across, the so-called asylum seekers. Um, This is um, very strange and disturbing from the standpoint that uh, CDC is long on record and statutory law supports this, that if there are uh, health risks and uh, communicable diseases um, being brought in by immigrants, that they are to be uh, detained and uh, exported um, because it's that's what the law says. It's It couldn't be more clear. Um, and it's interesting because the Biden administration seems to be uh, very much interested in using the CDC uh, guidelines and, and uh, rules in other areas. For instance, um, the president would like CDC to be able to uh, justify the, the uh, moratoriums on on uh, evictions of in homes because it's a health issue. But when it's a health issue at the border, all bets seem to be off. Um, and this comes to a head really because vaccinations are, are very much in the news, and the um, the head of the CDC just said this week uh, in the run up to the. Uh, Labor Day holiday uh, advised that unvaccinated Americans not travel over the Labor Day weekend. At the same time, of course, we have this daily situation of immigrants crossing into this country. Uh, Not only are they not being vaccinated, they're not even being screened. So, for instance, the city of McAllen, uh, down on the border, uh, has said that more than 7,000 illegal aliens have just been dropped into their community uh, and they turn out to be COVID positive. They weren't tested by Border Patrol 
because Border Patrol says they don't have time, they don't have the resources. Uh, so there is absolutely no vetting, no screening, no testing going on by the Border Patrol. They are just handing off these aliens to non-governmental organizations uh, or just putting them on buses and planes and flying them into the heartland of the country. So uh, it's 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 to say it's chaotic is is an understatement. Actually, um, this is this is something that only the the death dealing cartels could like. I mean, he, the president, the administration, and his health and security uh, team are are failing on every front. You know, it's very very interesting, uh, ironic uh, of the screaming and yelling that is carrying on that they are carrying on about uh, the masks and the mask mandates about saving lives and uh you know the the uh, this issue of covid is being let through but it's not only the issue of covid i mean we're also letting through a lot of uh, a lot of uh, criminals uh they're catching some return offenders that have been uh uh arrested before as well as now that afghanistan has fallen who knows uh who else is coming in yeah, and, and we we've known for months and months that Afghan Afghani nationals are crossing the border um, on a daily and weekly basis. So we're just going to see more of that. There's there's no question about that. Uh, and as you say, the criminal element is always in play. Texas is one of the few states, maybe the only state, that does a pretty good job of transparently reporting the number of crimes committed by illegal aliens. Um, most states, and certainly the administration, has no interest in reporting those kinds of numbers, but they are staggering numbers, hundreds of thousands, just in Texas alone, um, of illegal aliens who have uh, been charged with and convicted of criminal offenses. So uh, that's an ongoing issue, and now we have the health issue piled on top of it. Um, it's particularly concerning because I... I did some research on uh, vaccination rates uh, in this country versus uh, Mexico and the Northern Triangle countries of El Salvador and Guatemala and Honduras. Those four countries to the south of us have an average vaccination rate of 22%. The U.S. is at 53%. Um, so we have the president talking about masking up and vaccinating up and harassing uh, citizens or begging them it's kind of a passive aggressive program to to take the jab but yet uh, Homeland Security is saying well we're tentatively working on plans to ship some vaccines down to the border uh, but you know they're talking about that now here in September uh, we've had these record waves of uh, migrants coming across for months now and uh, COVID has, has been surging along the way. I'll mention another kind of uh, ironic angle to this, uh, George, and that is uh, a few weeks back, um, the governor of Texas tried to uh, impose an order that would stop the transportation of illegal aliens by non-governmental organizations. In other words, only a government entity would be authorized to move migrants off the border and to other locations. Well, um, after some judge shopping, the Biden administration took it to a judge in El Paso, which is kind of an odd place because that really hasn't been an issue. But they found a judge, a, uh, a George W. Bush appointed judge named Kathleen Cardone, who uh, in her wisdom uh, blocked the governor's order and one of her justifications was that uh, she said, well, from what I can tell, down here on in El Paso, there's there's no COVID problem at all. There's no surge. <laughs> there's, no, there's no issue. <laughs> that was the basis of her decision. Oh, my gosh. And, and so, you know, we're just living in clown world here because now, you know, in the aftermath of that decision, of course, it's all, you know, coming to a head. We're having a massive surge of COVID. Hospitals are filled up. You know, the whole system's crashing, but Judge Cardone sitting in El Paso is blithely unaware and doesn't care. And so her, her ruling stands. So the, the migrants continue to move inland, uh, being bused and flown wherever, 
and uh, they may have COVID, they may not. No one even knows. Uh, wasn't there a also a challenge to the uh, uh, Trump protocol that required uh, people that tested positive to be uh, deported, to be sent back across the border? Yes, uh, Title Forty Two is that uh, that application, and it's actually a CDC uh, rule. Um, and the Biden administration has not uh, given up on it. Uh, it's still in the books, and it's presumably or putatively still being used. But it's being used very selectively, as we can tell from the number of people who are being admitted into the country. So, and the fact that the border patrol admits that they're not testing or screening for COVID. So it's like, yeah, it's on the books. It looks good as far as a deterrent, as far as a a tool for expulsion, but it's not being used. And even with that kind of light touch, uh, that's still unacceptable to the open borders crowd, the racists and uh, ACLU and all these other uh, immigrant advocate groups. Uh, And they they are uh, refiling their lawsuit against the administration demanding that this title 42 being be wiped off the books so that's that's where we stand on that amazing and then to bring it even closer to home we've got um, uh, illegal aliens that have uh, either tested positive or not been tested at all flying out of the airport here in san antonio while the mayor and the county judge here in bear county uh scream and yell about wearing masks Yes, right, and, and so the mayor's Twitter account is about vax up, mask up. I mean, it's just a mantra, but yeah, it's it rings so hollow and so hypocritical because, as you say, we have a situation at the airport uh, where we have people transiting through, and they're not being sequestered or quarantined. Uh, they're mixing in with the general population. So, you know, for Ron Nuremberg and... Uh, and Judge Wolf to, to talk about their their commitment to public health is, is completely farcical. Hypocritical. Ken, thank you very much for spending some time with us uh, to chat with us. Uh, do you have a happy, happy to do it? You uh, you continue your work. We'll be following you, and uh, we'll get you back on the show again and chat about uh, your next article. All right. Well, uh, happy Labor Day to you and your listeners. You got it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and we've been speaking with our good friend, Mr. Ken uh, Kenrick Ward here in San Antonio. Thanks, Ken. You bet, George. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.